Well, amen. Thank you, wonderful musicians. I tell you, we're so very, very fortunate in this church to have so many gifted and talented people. But not just gifted and talented, they are, share their gifts and their talents with us. And uh, that's what makes church, church. If you have your Bibles or an iPhone or iPad or whatever you've got, be finding Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to get to verse 14 here in a minute. Title of the message is 2018, the best year ever. Pause, 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 pause. Oh, don't, don't, you're feeling sorry for the preacher. Don't, don't applaud when you wait that long. Huh? It may sound a little overstated, but it's not. I'm telling you the truth, it's not overstated. There is no way under the sun that man could engineer what's happening. There's just no way. The fortuitous coming together of the events. Now, we've had a lot of work going on, the search committee, the advisory committee, the building committee, the finance committee, the staff. I mean, folks have had, we've had meetings on top of meetings, and there's been a lot of work going into it. But listen, overseeing all of that's been the Holy Spirit. And there are times he's corrected what we thought we were doing, and we thought we were doing the right thing. But he's guided and directed because it's been bathed in prayer. And, and it, it, it's just been amazing how things have come together. Now, when I say things have come together, things have come together over a stretch of 17 years. Pause, pause, pause. <laughs> Preach it, preacher. Some of the other goes back 15, 18 months. Uh, I, I'm coming up on my anniversary. I've been here about a year as your interim. Now, I came a little earlier than that. Dr. Green allowed me to come while I was still at the convention. He had a rule with regard to interims, and he let me kind of sneak in before I was actually the interim. But I'm coming up in, in fe about February. And so everything... Well, <laughs> you're saying... We're getting rid of him. We're getting a real preacher. I know what you're doing. But I'm just telling you, all of these things are culminating. They're coming to, they're coalescing. And, and there's no way man can do this. I'm not smart enough. Now, Les is. I'm not smart enough to pull this off. It's God's Spirit. It's God's Spirit just moving directing, guiding, working to help us get to the point that we are today. Now, I chose, I was in Louisiana this last week, and I, I was trying to think, what in the world am I going to preach? And I chose Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. And uh, if you've got your Bibles open to that, listen to this verse. Now, this verse does not sound the way you and I would say it. God says it. It, 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 it has three parts in it that we wouldn't put the three parts. We'd cut it off and make it a little shorter. But listen to it. Paul says, I press toward the mark, part one, for the prize, part two, of the high calling or the upward call 
of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the mark. Literally, the word there means I stretch toward the mark. The picture there is a runner. I know I don't look like it now, but a hundred years ago, I was an athlete. I was, I was, you shouldn't have laughed at that. I mean, but one of the things I did because I was fast was I ran track. And I remember that at the last minute when you're, you're sprinting toward it, you lean forward to get that last few inches of you being the one crossing the tape first. I still have digging cinders out of places in my body because I leaned too far and landed on the ground. But that's the picture here of stretching, of, of giving it all you've got at that finish line to, to, to win the race and And here, the same thing here is being talked about as we stretch ourselves in service for the Lord. Uh, I want to break this up and what I want to say to you this morning into three parts. I want us to, first of all, think about as we uh, stretch ourselves, think about yesterday. Yesterday. Let's think for a moment about the past, our yesterday. You know, it's a good thing to remember It's a good thing to look back, but now listen to your interim pastor. You glance back, you don't gaze back. You glance, just a glance. You don't turn around and, oh, I remember yesterday. Oh, no, you glance back to get perspective on where you're going. You glance back to see the mistakes that you've made or the victories that you have. You you see where you're coming from in order to know where you're going to. But you don't live in the past. Too many people are living in the past. Now, I'm 70 years old. It was a hush. Did you hear that last? It was just a hush across the auditorium. People cannot believe he looks so young. But I hear people talk about the good old days. Folks, I've been around a while. There ain't any such thing as the good old days. There's different times, but just because it's in the past doesn't make it good. I find a lot of folks who want to live in the past just have a bad memory. They don't remember the past, but somehow they want to go back. It's like the, it's like the, 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 the Jews. We want to go back and eat the garlic and the leeks. Oh, it was so good back in Egypt. No, it wasn't good. In fact, even if it was good, you can't go back. The past is past. You can't go through life taking the headlights off of your life and putting them on the back bumper. You'll run into something. It's a waste of your time and resources to live in the past. Yet I see so many churches today that live in the past. And I think they do it for two reasons. I think, number one, they live in the past because they're ashamed of their present. They're ashamed of what's going on. And so they talk about the good old days. The second reason I think a lot of churches live in the past is not only are they ashamed of the present, they're fearful of the future. They're fearful of the change that's going on in our society. And they think God's not big enough to handle that. Listen, God's plenty big enough to handle that. 
What we have to do is let him handle it rather than us try to handle it. And God will work it out. Again, this, our committees, our church, it's obvious the hand of God has worked in the past to lead us to where we are. The past. How wonderful it is, the past. Now, we don't, we don't ignore the past. In fact, if you go back to the verse that's just before verse 14, which is verse 13 for those of you who need help. Uh, verse 13 says, Brethren... I count not myself to have apprehended. Oh, don't you love the King James? It means I have not fully grasped everything. Now, now friend, let me just say parenthetically, if Paul hadn't grasped everything, you're not going to grasp everything because you're not God. God is God and you're not. Paul says, I hadn't got it all figured out. I've not arrived. And so when he says that, he says, but this one thing I do. I haven't haven't got it all figured out, but there's one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Paul's not saying that we ignore the past because if you go back up to verse 5 through verse 7, what is he doing? He's rehearsing the past. He's talking about his past. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, is touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness, on and on. He's talking about his past life. So when he says forgetting the past, we're not ignoring the past. What we're doing is Paul refused to let the past hinder him from going forward. And that's what the church has to do. We look at our past. The past is important. It helps to give us a barometer of where we are today. But you cannot, you must not live in the past. So that's yesterday. Well, let's talk about today. That's a logical sequence. If we're going to talk about the best year ever, let's get caught up. We talk about yesterday, where we've been. We're talking about today. As I look at this past year, it's remarkable. It's remarkable for many reasons, but the one that stands out for me is the fact that this church had a vision 17 years ago, and you haven't lost it. Praise be to God. I can take you to three churches that are in a short driving distance from this very spot I'm in here. All three churches I have been involved with over time. All three churches bought property. They had a vision. They had an idea. They had a destiny. And they all three bought property. And then along the way, there were some bumps in the road. Things didn't go just like they had planned. And all three sold their property. And when they sold their property... They lost their vision. And those three churches today are gasping for breath. What you folks did in reaffirming the vote that you made 17 years ago is a gigantic move of God. In fact, without that, none of the other, I think, could have happened. 
If we had not reaffirmed that what we said we were going to do, we're going to do. Oh, yeah, there's been some bumps in the road. But God never said it'd be easy. He just said it'd be worth it. And so we go through the bumps. And there'll be some more bumps. The Christian life is not one that we don't have opposition. Remember I told you about Nehemiah? In fact, I think one of the reasons we had a great capital campaign is you were sick and tired of me talking about Nehemiah. Amen. So we talked about Ezra, and then, and then you, you gave, and God bless you for giving. Almost $450,000, the last figure I saw, something like that, uh, in cash. And then the pledge of over $1.3 The church has voted not with their hand, but with their pocketbook. And that's really how Baptists really vote. Today, it's significant. It's significant. Not only the decision for you to move forward, but think of the announcement that was just made. In fact, this week, talking with Charlie, I had to change my sermon to include this. I mean, it just keeps coming. I'm talking about the good, and here's some more good. You're going to have a new pastor. I'm not going to keep giving you folks time on this. You're going to have to catch up. You're going to have a new pastor. You're going to have a new facility. You've got a new strategy. And God is at work intermingling all of it. And it's all coming together just like this. I'm going to tell you this. Your new pastor better hit the ground running. He better cinch up his britches and go. Because we're going. And we're going because God is leading us. Yesterday, you glance back at yesterday. You don't let the past keep you from moving forward. Today, we thank God for what he's doing in our today. I tried to tell you several times during this last year. I I tried to tell you, don't miss what's going on right now in your church. Oh, I know it's been a lot of votes and meetings and a lot of, and you had to give some money and all that. But folks, listen to me. There are a lot of folks live their entire life and don't have one of the things you've had happen this year ever to happen to them. They're in churches that are dead. They're dead and they don't even care if they're dead. And what you've had is the movement of God manifesting itself in so many different things. At times it just makes our heads spin. Thank God for it. Because a lot of folks never have that in church. They go to church, they're bored. I think the Lord's bored with them. Nothing's going on. There's not enough power to kill a cockroach in some of these churches. And God has just manifest himself in so many different ways this last year. Thanks be to God for the blessings that he has let us see and be a part of. And thank you for letting me be a part of it. I could be sitting up in St. Augustine twiddling my thumbs and you let me come and be a part of it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yesterday, today. But what about tomorrow? Ladies and gentlemen, the past is past. We thank God for the past. Part of the foundation of this church was forged in the past. That is immovable. That is 
not just stationary, it's permanent. Thank God for that. But it is the past. When Paul writes this, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Paul had shaken two continents together for the cause of Christ. But now he's thinking, what about the other continents? You see, Paul was not looking at where he was as a final destination. Ladies and gentlemen, if you hear nothing else I say this morning, hear me. Please hear me. The Christian life of service is not a destination. It's a journey. It's a journey. You know, we asked you to give some money, capital campaign. We're going to ask you to make changes. You're going to have to move, go here. This is going to have to change all that. Brother Owens, when is this going to all stop? When you get home. When you get home is when it's going to stop. In the meantime, down here, there's going to be change. We're going to be asking you to do more and more and more. And you say, oh, Brother Owens, I just don't know we can handle it. You can't, but God can. So when is all this going to be over? When you're like this in that coffin and your spirit's with the Lord. That's when it's going to be over. But until that time, brother, we're going for the goal. We're going to stretch ourselves. And we're going to stretch out as far as we possibly can. Paul knew that to, to run the race of service that he's talking about, you have to begin again and again and again and again. The Christian life is not a destination, but there are some stopping points along the way where you can catch your breath. Between now and your new pastor come and catch your breath. But we're about to sprint again. You say, Brother Owens, you mean when he comes, can't we just coast a little bit? No, you cannot coast in the Christian life. You're either growing and glowing or you're drying and dying, but you will not stay the same. And so just catch your breath for the next couple of weeks. Just, but get ready. I think your new pastor is going to lead you in ways that you cannot possibly, possibly imagine. You see, our finish line is not a capital campaign. Our finish line is not a building being built. Our finish line is not even the calling of a new pastor. As wonderful as all of those things are, that's not our finish line. What is our finish line? The upward call of God. The continuing of the race. We're not running to a spot. We're going to a person. And we're going to a place. And so what we continue to do is run the race. We press ourselves forward in order to win a race? Not really. It's not even to win a prize. Not really. But it's to satisfy a Savior. Why should we continue to run the race 
Why should we continue to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he continues to serve us. Where is Jesus right now? His spirit's right here. And right there, and right there, and right there, and right there. But where's the man in the glory? He's at the right hand of the Father, saying, Owen's messed up again. But he's one of ours. Father, he's under the blood. He's okay. He continues to serve you, and he's in glory. Can we do anything less than to serve him? Let me answer it for you. No, we cannot. 2018, best year ever. I'm going to come back and slip in the back. Susan and I are going to come back and slip in the back one Sunday. After the service starts, I don't even want you to know we're here. We're just going to come back. Say, Brother Owens, you coming to check out the new pastor? I don't need to check out the new pastor. It's not my job. You come to hear the music? Well, yeah, we'll listen to it. But I, why are you going to slip in the back? To see you stretching. To see you leaning, running that race, giving it all you got. And I'm going to sit back there. You see, I know when to say amen. <laughs> Do you know Christ is your Savior? All of this makes absolutely no sense if you don't reach first base. And first base is faith in Christ. Service, baptism, all of those are wonderful. But if you miss first base, you're out. You're out. This morning we're going to sing an invitation hymn in just a moment. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins... To receive what he's already done. Oh, what a great way to start a new year. Serving, stretching for the Savior. Maybe you're here today and you're visiting. You've moved everything to Daytona Beach but your church letter. Don't you want to be a part of a church that's counting? Don't you want to be a part of a church that's going to shake Central Florida for Jesus Christ? Literally. Now, we have an effect around the world, but we're about to disrupt the I-4 corridor. Now, Whitten's going to have to get with it on the other end down there, but we're starting here. We're going to disrupt Florida for the cause of Christ. Don't you want to be a part of a church like that? Maybe some of you need to come and rededicate life. What a beautiful time at the start of the year. Don't talk to me about resolutions. I don't want you to make a resolution. I want you to make a commitment. A new commitment of faith and trust. A new commitment of service to the Lord. Maybe you need to come and do that this morning. I don't know what you might need to do. But I dare say the Holy Spirit's told some of you need to do something. So in just a moment, we're going to sing our invitation hymn. That's inviting you to simply respond as God's Spirit has spoken to you.
Just respond. That's all you have to do. Staff will be here to greet you. The altar is always open if you just need to come and kneel. Not talk with one of them. Just talk with the Lord. Don't you want to count for Jesus? Don't you want to help make 2018 the best year ever? Starts today. Starts now. And it starts with you. We're standing. As we sing our invitation hymn, why don't you come today?